This is The Talking Dead, a podcast dedicated to the AMC TV show, The Walking Dead. Hey there, everybody. My name is Chris. And my name is Jason. And this is The Talking Dead number 295, recorded on Monday, November the 28th, 2016. Jason. Chris. I am not getting sick. Okay. Good luck with that. <laughs> Usually when people say that, that means that they are getting sick and uh, you're screwed, buddy. I am willing myself to not get sick. The problem is I can feel it in my throat a little bit. When I was walking home from the subway today on my way home from work, I got a little more winded than usual. I mean, right. I, I always get a little bit winded because I'm a fat bastard, but uh, this today I just felt it a little bit more. And Soph is struggling with a bad cold right now, and I'm worried. I'm worried, but I'm trying to have mind over matter, and I'm not getting sick. I give it six hours, <laughs> and then you're screwed. <laughs> so by the time I go to bed tonight, I will be suffering not being able to sleep. Right around that point, that is correct. Frickin' hell. Well, good times for me. I'm going to try not to shout into the microphone. going to try not to, you know, make my voice throat worse and uh power through uh you know what a remedy i heard when i was in china a back in the uh, late 90s 1997 to be precise uh september of 97 i was in china and we gave a bottle of maple syrup to our translator at the time and he said that in uh that he he thought that maple syrup was a an elixir to help with uh, having a cold. You take it like you take a shot of it to help prevent a cold. Really? I swear this is exactly what he said. This he was very thankful for us giving him maple syrup as a gift because that's what we brought to give out his gifts. Uh, he was very thankful for that, and he would use it as a remedy to help not get colds. So what you need to do before you go to bed is go upstairs, get yourself a shot glass, get some maple syrup, take a shot of maple syrup, and. Uh, use that as a preventative measure for your cold. I, I've always thought that you do that with whiskey, not maple syrup. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Maybe I'll try when, both. When in China. Yeah, that's right. That's a good gift though for China. It brings something distinctly Canadian. Yeah, well, that was the thought. It was either that or mitts. <laughs> mitts, a toque. Mittens. A toque. <laughs> toque would have been nice. Yeah, they have toques in other part of the world, but they just call them hats. Yeah. Right. It's, it's, a, it's a knitted cap or something like that. Yeah, exactly. A lot of controversy over how to spell toque, but we'll get into that on a yeah. different podcast someday. Let alone balaclava. Oh my God. <laughs> That's a whole different thing. <laughs> not a toque. Okay. Uh, well, we're here to talk about The Walking Dead, not toques or maple syrup or anything else like that. Um, and the first thing though is uh, an entry in our Record Your Favorite Scene competition. If you don't know what we do, uh, what we have done in the past and what we're doing for season seven is running a contest for you, the listener, to record yourself performing a scene from any episode of The Walking Dead and then send it in to us. You can record it on your phone, your computer, whatever you have available, and then get it to us. And at the end of the season, we will choose our favorite one and you'll win a big fancy prize pack. So uh, here is one of the submissions now, which we, we typically do. We play the submissions throughout the season as they go. And this one comes from Vince in San Jose, California. When I was a kid, 
I asked my grandpa if he ever killed any Germans in the war. He wouldn't answer. He said that was grown-up stuff. So, so I asked if the Germans ever tried to kill him. But he got real quiet. He said he was dead the minute he stepped into enemy territory. Every day he woke up and told himself, rest in peace, now get up and go to war. Then after a few years of pretending he was dead, he made it out alive. That's the trick of it, I think. We do what we need to do and then we get to live. But no matter what we find in DC, I know we'll be okay, because this is how we survive. We tell ourselves that we are the walking dead. All right, thank you, Vince, for that. That comes from Season 5, Episode 10, which was called Them. Them. And that's uh, we the, the sort of iconic we are the walking dead speech that uh rick delivers now vince included some sound design there some some rain and thunder and a little bit of uh, soundtrack uh you don't have to do that though uh, if you want to that's totally cool but uh, you can just record yourself you or by yourself or you with your friends uh doing a doing a scene there doesn't have to be sound effects or anything like that but uh you know whatever whatever you want to do is cool you can get your buddy Jim to do sound effects in the background. Just, <laughs> just Jim in the background making rumbling right, noises. Making rumbling noises or door slamming. Bang. Gunshots. Or gunshot. Pow, pow, pow. Or pew, pew. Or whatever you want. You can uh, <laughs> just, you know, your buddy Jim, he's really good at that kind of stuff. So get, get your buddy Jim to help you out. I've heard. I've heard that your buddy Jim is the man for sound effects. All right. Thank you, Vince, for that. If you want to get your entry in, you've got all season long, but don't wait. Get her done now uh, and email it to talkingdeadpodcast at gmail.com. You can also just go to our website, hit send voicemail and record it right there if you want. Um, that That's pr- super easy for, for you as well. Uh, but usually the best quality is achieved by, say, using the voice memo feature on your phone or whatever, if, if you have something like that. So... Um, Thanks everyone who sent one in already. And if you want to do it, record it. Talkingdeadpodcast at gmail.com is where to send it. All right, Jason, let's jump into this episode. It is season seven, episode number six. And here's what it was called. Episode six, swear. Well, I swear. 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 Why... Why are they getting so creative? They're getting really creative with these title names. All right. Thank you to Taylor on the internet, Lauren in Massachusetts, and Gareth in Germany for sending in those title reads. Delightful. Yeah. Very, very, very good. Um, we're, that, we had three this week. We may have only had two last week, but uh, if you, again, if you want to read the title, I know we ask a lot of everyone to record stuff and send it to us, but this is an audio podcast and it's great to hear listeners' voice on the show. So this is why we do it and it's fun. And uh, if you want to read the title of an episode, again, record it any way you have, any way you can, I mean, and fire it off to us and we'll play some title reads with each episode. Sweet. 
All right, man, let's recap this sucker. We start, we open on a beach. Not a lot of beaches in, uh, in The Walking Dead. This is the first beach. The first one, yeah. Fear, Fear the Walking Dead has some beaches. It does. But this may be the first beach we've seen on this show. We see a beach and we hear some voices. So I have, I have a question about the beach. Okay. <clears throat> this, uh, this beach was either at sunrise or sunset which tells us which coast it's on. So, because uh, the sun was low on the horizon. So was it, in your opinion, Christopher, sunrise or sunset? Well, okay. We know that this is on the East Coast. So if the sun was low over the water, this has to be sunrise, right? All right. So it was a bit of a trick question. I agree. Okay. I agree that uh, we, it, you know, the fact that if it was on the, uh, if it was on the West Coast, that's a hell of a long way for uh, people to travel. Uh, yes. Like we, we don't know who's, who's in this episode yet. Like, sorry, just, I don't want to spoil ahead. Okay. Okay. I see what uh, you're saying. Fair enough. But we know it's so, East Coast. Yeah, we know. We do know it's East Coast and it's sunrise. So uh, anyway, that's it. That's all I wanted to talk about. <laughs> okay, great. Is that it? Can we just end it then for tonight? That's all? <laughs> well, until the next portion of the scene. <laughs> Sun, sunrise on a beach. The end. <laughs> yes. Uh, okay. Well, we we hear some voices, and we see a really gross but awesome-looking beach walker, yeah. like just waterlogged and stuck in the sand. Uh, really disgusting. Reminded me a little bit of the teabag walker way back from Herschel's farm. Very soggy. Yes. Very soggy. Uh, a young girl comes along, kills the beach walker. And then they find another one, she says, but it turns out that it is not a walker. It is, in fact, unconscious Tara, who has seemingly washed up on the shore. Yeah, which is, you know, people are likely to do at uh, after a shipwreck. Well, that's right. She's been stuck in the ocean for a while and she's washed up on land somewhere and passed out. So the girl goes to kill her, but the grown-up that this girl is with stops her and the little girl, whose name we find out later, but don't know at this point, says, you know, things like we're supposed to and I want to in terms of, you know, killing Tara. And she's really disappointed that this grown up she's with won't let her. Um, and then she storms off and the woman drags Tara away from the water up onto the beach. So we don't know who these characters are other than Tara. No, but the little girl has a bamboo stick. Like where the heck did she get a bamboo stick? Well, maybe it's not bamboo. It's definitely no, a it was bamboo of some kind. Really? No, it was, it was bamboo. So bamboo not being native to, to uh, this part of the world, um, unless it is. Does bamboo grow in Washington? I think bamboo will grow pretty much anywhere, anywhere, but I don't think it does. So there's not a lot of bamboo in Washington is what you're saying, even though there might be. There could be. There could be, but I don't think there's a bamboo grove kicking around. Somewhere. I just, I was just a little curious about where she got a bamboo stick and why a bamboo stick? Because, you know, walking into a hardware store, you can get yourself a piece of doweling for, well, for free because it's the zombie apocalypse and there's no money anymore. Uh, uh -huh. So you can get yourself a nice piece of doweling or, you know, find a broom, break off the broom part. Again, you got yourself a piece of doweling. But this little girl somehow found, chose, and then used a bamboo stick. Well, I, I don't know. Is, is there an advantage to using bamboo for this kind of thing? Like, it doesn't strike me as being especially strong. No, it's flexible. That's the, that's oh. the advantage of using it. It grows really quickly, mm. uh, re it is replenished very easily, uh, and is very flexible. But a broom handle you find everywhere. You would find it on the end of any broom. 
Right. <laughs> Very good. So uh, anyways, well, she has a spear weapon. They both seem to. And she's using it to stab, well, walkers and almost Terra. Until this lady stops her. That's it. The woman drags Terra away. We go to the opening credits. So pretty quick cold open this week. And when we come back from the credits, we are in a flashback. Uh, and it is of Heath and Terra in the RV that they took on their run. So they're sitting there, they're talking about how they haven't found very much. Heath says they've gone farther than they were supposed to, and they have been gone two weeks now, which was supposed to be the length of their run. And uh, Heath is really struggling with the idea or the fact that they had to kill all those people at the satellite station. Yeah. And he starts saying things like he doesn't think it was necessary, um, you know, but he understands now. You kill you you kill who you have to, to survive is what he's telling Tara. And he said that nobody is in this together anymore. Everyone is just killing each other, uh, because that's what you do because there's, you know, it's too dangerous when you encounter someone new to try to accept them into your group. So there's just no such thing as working together anymore, except on a sort of a micro scale, right? There's, there's Alexandria and everyone there is cool with each other. But as soon as an outsider comes along, you just kill him. Right. And he's upset about that, which I can sort of understand. It's a lot of killing. It is a lot of killing, but it's a zombie apocalypse. What are you going to do? Yeah. I mean, in the zombie apocalypse, it sort of killing comes with the territory. Yeah. Um, but they uh, drive away and uh, Tara is shown to have one of Negan's guns. It has Lucille carved into the handle, which we've seen before in the Alexandria Armory. So I guess she took it. Um, we cut back to uh, the woman who pulled Tara from the ocean in a house reading, lying on a bed. She looks at a clock and decides that I guess enough time has passed. So she goes back to the beach where she left Tara and she finds Tara still unconscious, or so we think. She leaves her some water, a dried fish, and one of the spears, and then kind of goes off and sits uh, on a log somewhere, just sort of uh, out of sight, kind of. Yep. Turns out Tara was faking unconsciousness, and after the woman leaves, she gets up and gathers the supplies, has some water, looks at the fish, and then uh, follows the woman away once she gets up to go. Right. So Tara's okay. Tara's back. Were you excited to see Tara and Heath again? I am very excited to see Tara and Heath again. <laughs> okay. You've been, it's been something like nine episodes since they left. Uh, I don't, I don't know exactly how many, but it's been a while. So I, we sort of knew this episode was coming. Um, but here we are, here we are. I was, uh, I was excited to see them. I was glad, but this really was the Tara show. Heath was barely in it. That's true. But you Heath's know. part was an important part, but it was uh, definitely a Tara, you know, centered episode. Yeah, it was, it was all about her. Um, so Tara is now following this woman through the woods and eventually she comes to some sort of community. There are buildings, many are covered in like camouflage, it looks like. Uh, Tara sneaks around, I guess, the edge of the community. She's hiding in the bushes. She sees women and young girls around, no men that I could see. And they appear to me to be pretty heavily armed. Uh, in fact, at one point she sees a shed that is just chock full of weapons. Right. Tons and tons of guns. Uh, suddenly, all the women get up, grab their guns from the shed, and they just start shooting at her. Because there was a clicking sound. There was a clicking sound. What was that 
clicking sound. It was their warning system, right? It was their warning system. So you can get uh, little clickers. Like they're just a little piece of metal that uh, that you just click. It's just yep. a, a clicker thing. And uh, it's a very low key way of sending a signal. Uh, so you just, you know, with, with the clicking sound, everybody recognizes that as danger. So get your shit together, run and hide and or get guns and or start shooting at everything and everybody because that's exactly what they did. Now, was somebody making the clicking sound as a warning? Is that how that works? I assume so. I assume that somebody had spotted Tara and started clicking. Oh, because you know what? Now that I think about it, there was a quick shot of a woman up in some sort of like lookout tower, right? So I'm thinking yep. she got a look at Tara, who is an intruder sneaking around, started the clicking, which signaled everyone to grab their weapons and just start firing. Right. Yeah. And Tara, did you notice Tara's weapon? Um, it, She had the spear or what did she have? It, it was a, it was a chisel on a stick. Really? So yes. So it was a, it's a, you know, a woodworking tool, a chisel, uh-huh. uh, somehow affixed to the end of a stick to make a spear. And I think that's an absolute genius idea. Well, if you can, if you can fasten the chisel to the stick strong enough so that it's not just going to break off as soon as you poke something, that is a good idea. It's a really good idea. And I, I, I so much like this idea that this is going to be my plan come the zombie apocalypse because I have a set of chisels and I got some sticks that I could use, you know, broom handles, for example, <laughs> right. make great sticks. <laughs> so uh, this is exactly what I'm going to do. And I was actually going to offer another suggestion is that uh, if you have a nice big plane, like a uh, like a bench plane or something. You know what a, you know those hand planes. Yes, yes. Okay, they have nice big flat, sharp, sharp, sharp blades on them. So take the uh, take them apart, get that blade out, stick it on the end of a stick, uh, and use that. That's uh, I think would be a fantastic anti-zombie weapon. It sounds pretty good to me. I'm glad you have a plan. You should make yeah. all these weapons ahead of time, just in case, so you don't have to waste time during the apocalypse making your weapons. Yeah, I'm hanging on to it right now. I made it this afternoon. <laughs> good, good. Um, <laughs> the other, th- I just realized the other thing about broom handles is they're often made of like plastic now. They're not. Oh yeah, anymore. those things are. Those things are no good. No, just saying. So everyone like get go a big out. one of those big broom handles that uh, you know have like for shop floor uh, sweeping. Yeah, like yeah, yeah. Big, yeah, yeah. You got one of those, I bet. I do. Right, we'll use that. I've got one of those. Uh, I'm sure that there are other ones, other people out there that have those big uh, broom handles. Or if you have like one that you used for putting on the end of a roller for painting, lots mm-hmm. of people will have those kinds of sticks. You can get them at the Home Depot for like $3 or something, or even the telescoping pole. Uh, I have one of those, those for, too. What's that? I have one of those telescoping poles as well. I do too. I think they're great. I'm not sure that they're the best thing for a spear, but uh, you know they can add some reach, especially if it's like 30, 40 feet long. Well, they don't make them that long. Mine's 16 feet. Well, you can stick them. 16 feet is still really friggin' long, my friend. I know. I use it to trim the big tree in my backyard. Nice. Anyways, we digress. <laughs> uh, so all these women jump up, they grab their guns, they start shooting, and there's a fair bit of chaos. Tara's running around trying not to get shot. Women are just shooting wildly at her. Eventually, Tara comes face to face with one of them and manages to knock her down and grab her gun and points it at her. The woman on the ground says, go ahead, but instead of shooting her, Tara turns the gun around and butt ends her in the face, in the forehead, maybe trying to knock her out. It's still, you know, this was supposed to be a, you know, a nicer option than killing her. Yeah. But it's really, really mean. Okay. But like shooting... those rifle butts, you do not want to get butted in the head. That's, that's, that's a pretty much a death sentence too, right? You're getting smacked in the head with, uh, uh, with that thing is, uh, it's, it's not an insignificant 
act. No, but it depends on how hard you hit someone, and it's better than having a shotgun blast to the head. I mean, come on. But, yeah, but it's, still. It's I in, mean, infinitely more survivable than sh- point-blank shotgun to the face. Uh, oh, I don't know. please. <laughs> depends on what's in that shotgun. If it's rock salt, then maybe it would sting a hell of a lot and lose an eye or two, but, you know, if it's steel pellets or lead, lead shot, then, yeah, you're screwed, but it all depends. I suppose it all depends, but in this case, a butt end of the forehead isn't the end of the world for this woman. In TV land, that's like a, you know, a sweet kiss goodnight. Yeah, that's you know, true. You, you know, you, he just, uh, Tara might as well have kissed her goodnight so that, and she fell asleep right there because she was so darn tired and comfy. <laughs> yeah, it looked comfy on that ground. Yeah. Tara, so Tara runs away and then comes face to face with the young girl from the beach. So this is where we start learning some people's names. The girl, the young girl is Rachel. And she says, uh, you know, we're supposed to, as in we're supposed to kill people, I guess. And uh, before Rachel can pull the trigger, though, the woman from the beach, who is named Cindy, runs up and stops her from shooting. And then all the rest of the women arrive on the scene. Cindy is there defending Tara, saying, you know, don't kill her, don't kill her, even though that's what we do. And Tara's kind of trying to plead her case, saying she'll just walk away. Uh, she'll, I'll just leave. I came here by accident. You know, I, I don't know what I'm doing. I'm lost. I'll just leave. Um, and we go to a commer- commercial break. Now, before we move on, I just want to talk about this scene a little bit, this whole, like Tara arrives and, uh, gets chased around being shot at. I think the whole thing was a little bit wonky in my opinion. And what well, I- just because everybody was shooting at everything and everybody was in everybody's crossfire. Well, there's that, but as a viewer, I didn't feel like I got a very good feel for the location. I was, what I like when I'm watching something like this, and honestly, this is not too uncommon, but I like to get, I like to be able to visualize the location, what's going on, like where people are, where they're going to, you know, how far apart they are, stuff like that. And I was completely not able to do that at all in this scene. To me, it felt like Tara kept running around, but hiding behind the same building. And even before the chaos started and people started shooting, I felt like she sort of like backed up against a building, the same one three times almost. And I couldn't get a feel for where the buildings were, where Tara was, where the other people were. And uh, I just found the whole thing confusing. And, and I didn't like it. I wanted to get a better idea of what was going on and kind of the layout. Am I just being overly sensitive and critical? Uh, a little bit, but I think I'm okay with it. <laughs> yeah. Cause, uh, you're going to allow it. I'm going to allow it. Uh, th- I agree with you in that it was a lot of short edits and, uh, you really didn't get a sense of what was going on, but, uh, I think that kind of lent itself to the nature of the scene. Like it was very chaotic. It was mm-hmm. very close quarters cause there was a lot of trees, a lot of buildings, uh, all the buildings were the same, so whether she was up against the same wall three times or whether there were three separate walls that all looked pretty similar, I don't know. Uh, but, you know, I, I agree with you, but I don't think I'm going to be as harsh on uh, on the scene. Yeah, and, and maybe it was intentional. You know, they, 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 they didn't want the viewer to have a good idea of what was going on because Tara's confused, and if she doesn't really have a sense of her surroundings like we shouldn't either we're seeing this from her perspective maybe right so i can i can buy into that that's totally fine um but just in general you know when you have a scene like this i feel like in a way you'd 
we'd get a we'd we'd have there'd be more tension in it if we knew that like Tara's like behind a building and everyone is right over here. So if she goes this way, she'll get caught, or this way, something else will happen. You know, um, yeah. but maybe that's just me. I, I I'm I can see why they would might want to make it intentionally confusing as well, and I'm not too upset about it but uh i watched it a couple times and both times i'm like i have no idea where anybody is in relation to each other and that's not amazing so um we come back from a break and we're back in a flashback again tara and heath they have come to a bridge that is all blocked off and it sort of looks like somebody created a safe house here almost like they've blocked off both ends of a bridge thinking, you know, you can only be attacked from two directions on a bridge and you don't have to worry about the, the other two directions, which sort of makes sense. No, it's a really good idea. Other than the fact that you're absolutely trapped, unless you have a system of uh, getting onto boats, which I assume that they would. Um, That's a big assumption. Well, (laughs) if I were planning to build a community on a bridge, Uh I'd be like, you know, there's a good chance that we're going to get hemmed in here because, you know, that's our whole point. Uh, so I'm going to want to get away from here somehow. So maybe we should go find a boat and just tie it to one of the, uh, you know, tie it to a little dock that we'll make down uh, down on the river. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I, I can see that. Like, it sounds like a good idea to try to make a little community on a bridge. Practically, though, it almost in a way leaves you more vulnerable because yes, there are two less angles to defend from, but there are also only two ways you can be attacked and you can get stuck quite easily. The only problem I would have with this is, uh, the amount of space that you could use for farming. Like you have a limited real estate that you can grow to, right? Uh, I mean, fishing would be a big part of your diet, I would assume, Mm because you just you know, you're, you're at home, you're just standing on your bridge, might as well throw a line in and see what you catch. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I think the boat option would be the best way to go because that gives you your escape options, essentially. Yeah. And your uh, travel options as well. If you get hemmed in by zombies on both sides, you can always, uh, you know, repel down to the boats on the river and then uh, go to wherever you need to go, uh, pick up whatever you need to pick up, come back and then climb back up into, uh, onto the bridge. I guess so. Now we did see as Heath and Tara are walking along here, some, uh, like dead crops. It looked like, so someone I think was living here and actually trying to grow some stuff. Uh, there were old tents. They, they come through some tarps that were hanging and, uh, they get to a big couple of dump trucks that have emptied big loads of sand onto the bridge. Yep. Um, Tara goes to pull something out of the sand, like a bag, a big bag, but she ends up exposing a whole bunch of buried zombies. So as soon oh as, she, as soon as she pulls that bag out, they all start kind of crawling out and they attack. Now, Heath manages to get up and run back the way they came, but Tara is on the ground. She's a little bit getting overwhelmed and, uh, Heath can't get back to her. So he disappears back through the tarps. Like he's run off and left her there. Bastard. Yeah, uh, I felt pretty angry about that when I watched this, that Heath just left her there and Tara was in trouble. Uh, we take a break for a commercial and when we come back, we're back in the present in the uh, town of women because <laughs> there's no men there and she's handcuffed to a radiator. Three women come in. We've got Natanya, Kathy, and Beatrice. Natanya, 
I thought it struck me as an interesting name, an odd name. Natanya. Bit of a, yeah, bit of a cross between maybe Natalie and Tanya, or, yes. or Natasha and Tanya. It would be Natasha and Anya. Maybe Natasha and Anya, yeah. Yeah, a combination of <laughs> Natasha and Anya, or Natalie and... Uh, Tanya. Tanya. Something like know. that. It's 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 a name I, I, I don't think I'd heard before, and I apologize if I'm offending all the Natanyas in our listenership now. Well, I would think that Natanina Louise would be a good name. Natanina Louise. Natanina Louise. <laughs> okay, well, if you have a, another kid, maybe you can use that name someday. That's right, yeah. So, um... They come in, they're talking. Tara says that she hears bells and they explain they use them to redirect the dead. So they use bells and the clickers that we heard earlier to, uh, well, signal warnings, I guess. And also, as she said, redirect the dead. Ring bells and they follow the bell noises. Um, Natanya mentions that they've been relatively safe there because it's a clear area. And she says it's due to evacuations and barges. So she's kind of... in saying that people were taken away on barges into the ocean at some point way back. That's uh, that's interesting. It is. I mean, does that mean there's a community of people out on barges somewhere? Probably not. Well, there's probably a community of undead on barges somewhere. <laughs> probably wandering around, occasionally falling in the water. Yeah, exactly. Like, <laughs> Just wandering around in the circle. A big party Fun barge. Stuff. I feel like we've talked about the zombie party barge before. We have in the uh, first season of Fear of the Walking Dead. Right. Uh, when they're on the boat, they passed a uh, zombie party barge. barge. <laughs> That's right. Good times. Well, we have them in both shows now. Uh, Tara says that she was traveling with a friend and that she was working on a fishing boat. And when questioned on it, she says it was a larder. Yeah. A larder fishing boat. It made perfect sense to me. Oh, yeah. At the time, it made sense. I didn't question it at all, frankly. Now, Tara explains what happened at the bridge, that she got knocked off, and she ended up washing up on the beach. And then Natanya explains that they, their policy as a community is to shoot strangers on sight. They don't ask any questions. If you're new and you approach, you get shot and killed. And that's why well, that's they, what they tried to do. That's right. That's what they were trying to do when Tara first arrived. But uh, in this case, they spared her um, because... Tara spared Beatrice's life, who's the one she butt-ended on the ground. Yep. So I guess they figure that's, you know, you spare one of us, we'll spare you. But at the same time, they don't know what to do with her now. Because now they have this visitor that knows something about them, and they didn't kill her. And they've never had this problem before. Right. <laughs> um, so we cut to nighttime. They bring Tara into another house where they're having dinner. Natanya now introduces Cindy who uh, we know from earlier, and Tara thanks her for saving her life, and they decide to eat and talk. Which you do at a dinner party, right? Yeah, especially if you're having fish. Uh, that's right. Uh, we come back from a break. We're at the dinner. Tara is eating like crazy, because I guess she hasn't eaten in some time. And Natanya sort of has decided that she wants Tara to stay. Uh, she explains that they keep the village a secret, and, you know, Tara can stay there, put down some roots. And uh, she offers to go look for her friend, meaning Heath, and he can stay too. So this is where the conversation turns to the, um, where are all the men? Because they're offering, you know, Heath the uh, option to stay there. Mm -hmm. 
So Natani explains that at one point they got into a skirmish with another group and none of the men survived. Um, and after that is when they decided as a community to kill everybody on site because they just felt they couldn't trust anyone anymore. Right. right? I think uh, at this point I'm like, oh, I know who that other group is. <laughs> yeah, were you sitting there going, wait a minute, this <laughs> maybe sounds like someone we know. <laughs> we have a bad guy in this season. I wonder if it's the same bad guy. It probably is. It probably yeah. is. Uh, so Natanya explains that, you know, they decided to kill everyone and they fled their old home and found this place where they are now where they could hide. So that's what they've been doing. Um, Natanya then calls Tara out for lying to them. They know this because a larder is a room used to store meat, not a type of fishing boat. Right. I thought I recognized that word, but I wasn't sure because I don't have a larder in my house. Uh, no, you have a fridge. You could call your fridge your larder. Well, I had, there's a drawer at the bottom of, uh, I have the same kind of fridge you do where the uh, freezer's on the bottom and the fridge part's on the top. Yeah. At the bottom of the fridge part, there's a drawer, uh, that is like the deli drawer. That's where all the cheese and the meat goes. Yeah, of course. That's where you put your bacon, your cold cuts, your cheese. Yeah. That's right. Cheese slices, uh, grated cheese, blocks of cheese, uh, you know, the various (laughs) different types of, uh, cheese that cheese comes in. So where were we? Uh, so that's how they knew she was lying because the larder is used to store meat. Now Tara explains she comes from a community now. She paints it as a pretty happy place despite having, you know, done some things to survive. And she explains to them what they did to the saviors at the satellite station. And Tara thinks that they can work together. She says, if you, if you see everybody as an enemy, then enemies are all you are going to find. And she's kind of criticizing them for this, and rightfully so, I, I think. I mean, if you, if you believe that, you know, there are people out there that you can trust, but these, this group of women really don't have that attitude. The, the way I like to phrase it is that if a hammer is the only tool in your toolbox, uh-huh. everything looks like a nail. Yeah, that's very, that's apt. It's a, sort of the same thing. So, yeah. um, Natanya offers, you know, to send a guide out to look for Heath and then they can go back to Alexandria. So Natanya's sort of come around to the idea that maybe we can work with this other group. We'll send a scout out, see what they're like. And, uh, um, you know, you, you never know. So she's breaking her own rules here, which you don't want to do. I mean, rules exist for a reason. That's right. And you have to blindly adhere to your rules or where would we be as a society? Where would we be? No one would ever be open to new experiences. Exactly. (laughs) Or, you know, letting things slide. You can't let things slide. You got to steadfastly stick to the rules, uh, the letter of the rule, not the spirit of it. Because if you start going with that spirit crap, then uh, things start to slide. And then, you know, we're all back in caves, drawn on walls and you know, beating up rocks and stuff. <laughs> Drawing our old new rules on the walls. That's right. Yeah. So Cindy really wants to go with the guide, but Natanya says no way, uh, because Natanya doesn't really feel like Cindy is on board with the kill first attitude. So Natanya's a bit all over the place here. She's like, okay, fine. We'll take you to Alexandria. We'll see what's going on there. But Cindy, you're not allowed to go because you, we've had enough of your no killing bullshit. So Natanya's a little all over the place, I thought, and I thought that was a little bit weird. So the other two women, um, Kathy and Beatrice, are going to be the ones that take uh, Tara on her trip back. 
Now, good. yeah, very good. Another commercial break. We come back and Tara leaves with Beatrice and Kathy. As they're going, we see a sign that says Oceanside on it. So this community is called Oceanside, which you probably didn't realize watching it at the time, Jason, but Oceanside is actually a community from the comic. Okay. Now, I had to look it up, to be honest, because it really is not in the comic much. I don't think we've ever actually even seen it in the comic. We've just heard about it. Oh. So they're taking something that's just a tiny little bit of the comic, the Walking Dead comic, and turning it into something in the show, it looks like. So I, that's that's kind of cool. I think that's interesting. Um, and it seems like the kind of thing that Scott Kimball wants to do or, or likes to do. Um, we know he likes to stick to the comic, but this is maybe the first time he's taking something that's just such a small part and expanding it, which is cool. Mm. Yeah. So that's good. Um, Tara gives Rachel the finger as they pass her. Nothing like giving a young girl the <laughs> finger. <laughs> I do that all the time. Just, you know, you're walking down the street, you see a kid and uh, they're looking at you, you give them the finger. Hey kid, F you. <laughs> yeah, you're trying to sneak it in so their parents don't see it, right? It's like, yeah. <laughs> uh, yes. Well, you don't do that? Um, only once in a while. Yeah, okay. <laughs> now they go out into the forest, they come across a walker who's kind of caught up in some bushes, they hide and right behind Tara, Beatrice pulls out a knife. Now this gets Tara spooked and she immediately jumps up to go kill the walker. But once she gets over close to it, she bolts and runs off. The other women start shooting at her and chase her. So Jason, let me ask you a question. Do you think uh, Beatrice was threatening Tara at that point or was she pulling out that knife to go deal with the walker? She was pulling out that knife to go deal with the walker. And Tara she was, flipped out. Well, no, Tara didn't flip out. She was, uh, uh, she pulled out the knife to deal with the walker, but she was scared mm-hmm. because I guess they had been lucky and they hadn't had a lot of uh, opportunity to deal with walkers and Tara has. So Tara decided, you know, I got this and was going to go over and kill the walker, but then decided, you know what? I'm pretty far away from those two. I think I can make a run for it and ran. That's funny because I, I interpreted the scene differently. I saw her pull out the, the knife and like you, I, at, at that moment I thought, oh, she's pulling out the knife. She's going to go stab that walker in the head. That's fine. But then Tara reacts like she's suddenly really freaked out as if, oh my God, she, I just realized that these women have brought me out here to kill me, not take me back. And oh, that's no. why Tara jumps up and goes... And goes, I'll deal with this walker just to get away from them. And then, and then her whole idea was to run away. I'm not sure if you could be wronger. No, I think <laughs> I'm, I think I'm right. I think. No, uh, my interpretation is obviously the correct one. Oh, come she on. She was taking out the knife to deal with the walker, but was afraid of the walker. So, uh, Tara decided to take advantage of the situation. No, but look at Tara's reaction. The knife comes out. I think, I don't know if Tara, you have the video in front of you, but I don't know if I she do. glances back and she sees the knife. I think Tara misread the situation. I think Beatrice was going to kill the walker, but Tara misread it and thought she was going to kill her and then decides to bolt. Maybe at the beginning when Tara turned around and saw the knife, uh, I think Tara might've been afraid of what was going to happen, but then she saw the look in her eyes said, no, she's scared of the walker. I better go take care of this. And I might have an opportunity to, uh, get the fuck out of here. But so that, but that, that whole attitude 
kind of rests on the notion that Tara never trusted these people to begin with, and she wanted to escape the whole time. That's correct. And I don't buy into that either. I think she actually did trust these people to a certain degree. I think they won her over by not killing her, giving her food, and then saying, we'll take you home and we'll find your friend. Like, they did all these nice things for her after they tried to kill her. Oh, you got a very good point there. I don't so know. So I guess uh, you could be wronger. <laughs> I could be a little bit wronger. <laughs> a little bit wronger. I think you're a little bit right, and I'm a little bit right, which makes me right. Okay. Jason. Jason is right, everybody. Um, <laughs> but there's obviously some different interpretations of this scene, so let us know what you think. Send in, send in your feedback on that. Um, Tara's running away. Uh, she falls down a hill and kind of rolls down. She manages to hide from them for a, a minute. Kathy comes nearby, and Tara attacks her. They fight, but Kathy gets the upper hand and ends up pointing her machine gun at Tara. So... That's not a machine gun. Well, what is it? It's an assault rifle. What's the difference? I, I I'm not even sure I want to ask you what the difference is. Machine but- gun is belt-fed. If there was a belt of am- ammunition going off into a big can full of, uh, yeah. of ammunition, that could be a machine gun. Machine gun is a two-person job. Generally mounted on vehicles? Or, uh, or on a tripod? No, they could have uh, mounted on a tripod or a bipod or, you know, a machine gun nest. A couple of guys in the, behind sandbags can okay. do just fine. But oh. uh, yeah, machine guns are uh, meant for anti-equipment, not necessarily anti-people. So there's no such thing as a single operator handheld machine gun. There's a thing called a saw, which is a... Device uh, for cutting wood. I know what that I is. I think it's just, no, it's a, it's called a saw. <laughs> I think it's a support area weapon. It's like, you, uh, you see uh, beefy army guys on TV carrying these things. It's got the big kind of, uh, it's got a big can on it that's sort of shaped like a, a home plate of an, in a baseball field and it's full of ammunition. Okay. That's kind of a support uh, high rate of fire machine gun type thing, but it's not really, it's kind of like a light machine gun. You know what's going to happen now, Jason. Yeah, I'm going to get uh, all kinds of emails. So help me out here to explain <laughs> to Chris that that thing that she's holding is an assault rifle and not a machine gun. Okay. Kathy points her assault rifle at Tara. Excellent. And Tara kind of asks her to let her go um, and explains that, you know, they know about the saviors at the uh, satellite post. But Kathy says there are more saviors, not just those saviors. And, you know, Tara realizes that the saviors are the ones who killed all the men at the Oceanside community. Right. Kathy says it was every boy over 10. Wow. That is pretty brutal, actually, to just line them up and shoot them like that. Um, She says they tried to fight, but obviously they did not win that fight. And eventually they ran away and hid. And they're worried that Tara will lead them back to them because they know that, you know, just killing a few guys at a satellite outpost is not all of the saviors. So they've just made their life worse. Um, and boy, nobody standing around here in this conversation knows the true extent to which they have made their life worse (laughs) yet. (laughs) Um, now Kathy, I guess is about to shoot Tara, but Cindy comes out of nowhere and knocks her down and Tara runs away. Run Tara, run. So even though Cindy wasn't supposed to come, she did. She snuck behind them to make sure that her friends couldn't, uh, couldn't eliminate Tara. So... 
Tara runs away. Eventually, Cindy catches up to her and she makes Tara swear that she will never come back and never tell anybody about them, not even her own people. So she's saying, I'll let you go, but you have to not talk of this place ever under any circumstances. Just like Fight Club. You do not. Yeah. First rule of Fight Club is there is no Fight Club. Is that it? Don't talk about Fight Club. Come on, man. Sorry. (laughs) It's been a while (laughs) since I've seen that movie. It's a guy movie. You have to go. Now for that infraction, you have to go watch it three times. Ooh, three times. Three whole times. My favorite part about Fight Club is, uh, is the Brad Pitt character and how he really exists in that film. It's my favorite part. <laughs> That's your favorite part? Yeah. My favorite part is uh, he has all a lot of the presence. different body, the, the reading of the different body parts from the first person. I am Jack Spleen. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay. <laughs> uh, I haven't seen it in a long time, but I have seen it. That's not one of those movies that I have missed and should feel bad about. Yeah, but you've also uh, failed your Fight Club uh, reference, pop culture reference in this episode. So now for that, your penalty is to watch it three times. The first rule of Fight Club is wear a green shirt. (laughs) And wear no shirt. (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) Can't even get the fake rules right. No. Um, Okay, so what's going on now? So so, uh, Tara swears that she won't reveal them to anybody. And um, Cindy is kind of worried that you know, Tara might think that they can use them for something or get something out of the Oceanside community, and they just want to have nothing to do with them. So she swears to this, and then Cindy agrees to take Tara to the bridge to look for her friend. After a commercial break, they're at the bridge, and they are devising a plan to get Tara across, because I guess that's the way home. And uh, the plan is Tara's going to run while Cindy covers her, And she says they'll have to do it quick because Kathy and Beatrice are coming for them. So no time to, you know, delay. Uh, They jump down off the wall on one side of the bridge and a whole shitload of walkers come out from the other side uh, from behind those tarps that were hanging kind of halfway through where the sand pile is. Surprise! Yeah, that's right. We didn't, you know, they knew they were there, but I guess Tara forgot. Or something. And we have a whole new category of zombies. We have sand zombies. Because they're all identical. They were all covered, except for one. Except for one, which except we'll... for Except for the important one. Yeah, that was not a sand zombie. That was a uh, non-sand... That was a, a Heath-type zombie. A Heath-type fake-out zombie. That's right. So here's what happens, though. So they start going across the bridge. All the walkers come out. They both get up on a row of cars, run along the row of the cars. And when they get to the end of the row... Tara, uh, Cindy drops down and starts, you know, shooting, basically covering Tara as she plows her way through the big crowd of zombies, killing some, knocking others down. And uh, eventually Cindy runs out of ammo, but just in time for Tara to make it through. So she gets through the big zombie crowd, which is exciting. Now we flash back to Heath leaving her there. And what actually happened is that he shoots the zombie off of Tara that is, you know, holding her down at that moment. And she gets pushed off the bridge by the zombies. But just before she goes over, I believe she yells, we're in this together. And he responds, I know. So this is a completely different take on what you think happened in this scene, right? Yeah. Kind of. See, I, I thought, 
originally, it was Heath abandoning her and running off. But really what happened is he sort of disappears through the tarps, I think gets up on top of something and ends up kind of helping her because he can't, by shooting one of the zombies, because he can't get near her. There are just too many around. And what I thought was interesting is that it never seems to be that Tara, the character, thinks Heath abandoned her. And that's why she said, we're in this together. And he says, I know. Right. That seems to be only something they wanted to the audience to think for a short time, uh, which kind of is annoying. But again, I'm, I'm not too upset about that. Um, but I just think it's interesting that at no point does the character of Tara think she's being abandoned, which is, which is cool. It is cool. Right. Um, but back in the present, uh, now Tara thinks she sees the zombie Heath, the zombie Heath fake out <laughs> Walker. <laughs> yeah. And I really did too at first because it really does look like Heath's hair. Uh, but it turns out to be a woman, not Heath. Uh, it happens. Would you have been pissed off if they'd killed Heath off screen like that? Off screen? Uh, no, I don't think so. I was thinking that it probably was Heath. Yeah. I got faked out. I, I completely bought into it. I'm like, well, that's Heath's hair. That looks like his head. Yeah. Looks like Heath from behind. Oh, it's a woman. Yeah. So I was faked out and I was okay at that. In that moment that I thought it was Heath, I was okay with it being Heath. I thought it was going to be an interesting... I thought it was an interesting reveal. Me too. It's funny. I was okay with it too. I'm, I don't feel any real character attachment or viewer attachment to Heath. And I'm like, well, if they're going to kill somebody off screen, might as well be him. You know, they can't do that to, to a big character like Maggie or somebody, you know, they, if, if they're going to kill someone off screen, it might as well be a character we know very little about and has been in like three or four episodes max. It feels like, um, so I was actually okay with it too, uh, but it wasn't Heath. It was it was a woman. Now, as Tara's running away, she sees Beatrice and Kathy leading Cindy away, so they've caught up. Uh, and she also sees Heath's smashed glasses on the ground. So he lost his glasses, I guess, before he got away. Oh, man. Yeah, but on the other side of the bridge, she finds some tire tracks in the mud uh, that... And, and I think she assumes that they're Heath, so he's now driving without his glasses on, which is probably dangerous. Well, it depends on what they're for, right? Like, I have glasses, but they're for close up, so if I'm driving, they're fine. I don't need them. Okay, well, I wear glasses all the time, and if I drive without them, I feel like it's an unsafe thing to do. Yeah. No, my, my, my distance sight is, uh, is just fine. It's my close up stuff. Mm. Like, like the speedometer or the uh, the odometer in the car is a little blurry. <laughs> so you but, can, uh, I can read signs and uh, and you know see people's nose hairs in other cars that are driving. So you can read signs. You just have no idea how fast you're going. <laughs> well, no, I, well it's, it's got a big dial on it, right? And I can look at it. And I can. You're not like looking at it, going, "Geez, that speedometer looks a little blurry. I should really focus in on that to make sure I'm going between 59 and 60 kilometers an hour on this road." Geez, uh, that does look a little blurry. Maybe I should take a closer look. You know, if I can get my glasses out, I could just take a look closer. You know, by the whole time, you get a whole realm of responsibilities outside of the car that you're ignoring, right? Of course. So you're just, you're glancing down, you're, you know, and you're used to where your, you know, the dial is and uh, in your car and I'm used to mine. It's fine. Everything's fine. I don't need my tr glasses to drive. Okay. In fact, they get in my way because if I'm looking at a distance and I 
have my glasses on. They're not meant for distance, so they make the distance blurry. Yeah, you put your so, reading glasses on, you're too busy reading a book while you drive. You don't want to be doing that. That's right. You know, if I put my reading glasses on and I'm in the car, I'm like, wow, that speedometer looks crystal clear. That's friggin' cool. <laughs> I wonder what's going on out there. Is that a car? Yeah. <laughs> Is that a car? <laughs> Is that a car? Or a horse? I can't quite tell. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So now... Jason comes the single biggest question I have about this episode. Okay. Tara picks up a small white plastic card from the mud with the letters PPP written on it. What in the flying hell does that mean? Do you have any idea? Uh, I think it probably means Percy's pair of pants and it is a key card to get access to Percy's pants. So you have no idea? No, no clue. <laughs> it's, it's, uh, no, either it got edit it out the, you know, the meaning of this, or it'll become clear later. And she had some kind of preternatural ability to determine what random garbage on the road was important. I have a feeling, I mean, it, it was a very prominently showed and she even said out loud something like, is this you or something along those lines. So this has to be made clear later, but as of right now, I don't think I have any idea what that those three P's on that white card are referring to. Maybe that card is a signal that they, you know, they spent a lot of time together in that camper, uh, finding nothing, right? So yeah. they probably spent a lot of time talking about whatever, this and that, and they probably came up with a system, a simple system. If we get separated, I'm going to leave this card around, uh, and, uh, it'll magically tell you where I am. You'll I find it and know that it means I'm okay. I don't, it must be an acronym or something like remember uh way back last season when um enid had jss right yep uh what was it just keep surviving that would be jks just survive somehow just survive somehow right so that's fine like they have acronyms on this show it happens um a the letter a appears all over the place well now we have triple p so peter's pair of pants or percy's pair of pants you said right? per percy's pair of pants okay I don't know. It must be some code. I have no idea. If there, again, is something super obvious and we are giant idiots and, and don't, and have completely missed this, listeners, please enlighten us because I, I've got no idea. Um, now, it's not the first time we will miss some, we have missed things on this show or not understood things. So I'm fully expecting someone to write in and go, you idiots, it's this. Um, but as of right now, I got no idea. Okay. So I've got two other options. Oh, Three I... <laughs> other options. So the PPP was written on the card. So at the time that he took off, he could have written on the card, which means that they have worked out a code for uh, what? I don't know what. So this, whatever that's PPP means is part of a code that they've, uh, they've put together. Maybe, mm -hmm. you know, it's a, it's a, a reference to... I have no idea what it's a reference to, but it's a reference to something to look up where he maybe goes. It's a grid reference yeah. for a map. Well, I, have no idea. I was going to say it, 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 it's a location. Like it's, you know, they have a series of acronyms for locations. Like if we get separated, um, I mean, it, it, that seems like an awfully, an awful lot of advanced planning for something like this, but let's just say it's like PPP means you go to this location, you know, triple O means you go somewhere else. Uh, you know, who knows? Well, maybe it's upside down. Maybe it's BBB. Uh, okay. DDD. Yeah. I don't know. Or, 
Or maybe it's a picture of something. Maybe it's not even letters or numbers. Maybe it's 666. I don't know. It's, uh, he, you know, he's going to meet you at the beast. It's three snakes coiled at one end, right? It I... could be three snakes coiled at one end. It could be, uh, I have no idea what, it's. I think it's a code. Yeah. I think it's a code that he worked, that she worked out with, uh, with he's. No, so let me ask you, do you have a, you have a fire plan for your house, right? Yes. Like, You've worked out a fire plan with your kids, you know, in case of fire, uh, get out of the house as fast as you can. We'll meet at the neighbor's house, right? Yeah. I mean- Ideally, you've yeah. uh, theoretically worked out this plan and let your family know that this is the plan. I can guarantee you that your work has a plan. If there's a fire, uh, there's a fire marshal, somebody's a fire marshal and you have a meeting location. <laughs> no? Um, Am I wrong my, in that? My previous job, definitely. My current company is seven people. When we worked together, I was the fire marshal. That was friggin' awesome. I, I love know. that job. I know. That was exciting. Um, I didn't even get a hat, though. I was going to get a hat. We then... we only recently got our uh, mandatory safety poster and eyewash station. <laughs> <laughs> mandatory. Yeah, yeah, yeah. To be to meet safety requirements, you have to have the poster up that says things like hard hats required and all that BS that no one ever pays attention to, and, uh, and the eyewash station, which I don't think we even have yet. Anyways... You should try it out because those are fun. Oh, sounds like a blast. <laughs> That's just saline solution. It doesn't hurt or anything. It's right. just a rinse. I'm extremely sensitive about my eyes. Like I hate, right. I hate going to the eye doctor. You don't have to put something in it first. Just use the eye wash. I can't spray anything in my eyeball. That's just insane. I hate going to the eye doctor way more than the dentist. And everyone thinks that's crazy. I don't mind the dentist. Yeah. Well, I don't mind dentists either. But I've only been to the eye doctor once. In I got my glasses. 40 X years, you've only been I didn't, one time. I didn't need glasses until like a year ago. You still need to get I your to... eyeballs checked for things like glaucoma and diseases, not just yeah, for- Well, I got my, went to the eye doctor, everything was fine. Okay, we got to move on. <laughs> Do you have other <laughs> options for the triple P? Okay, so my point is that you have a plan with your family. Yes. It doesn't sound like you actually do, but you should. And you have a plan for work. It doesn't sound like you do at all, but you should. <laughs> Fine. Simple plans like if there's a fire, meet here. Get yeah. out of the house. We'll meet here. If I if I don't gather you in the house, to everybody leave together? Uh, if for some reason you need to go through a different exit than I am, we'll meet at this this location. In the zombie apocalypse, when you are in a you know a full on apocalypse of some kind, you come up with additional plans like contingency plans. If we don't meet in this location, meet in that location. Uh, so maybe this card was just like, okay, I'm going to drop one of three cards. One says PPP, one says DDD, one says RRR. And, uh, you know, depending on what card I drop, we'll meet at those designated locations. Okay. That, I, that makes sense. I mean, it must mean something. So I can tell you, I have a plan for, uh, like I live in, near a nuclear power plant and the minimum safe zone for a nuclear disaster is 50 kilometers. So we have a, we have a plan for getting out of the house if there's a fire and where to meet 51 kilometers away from the power plant. In case it explodes. In case there's something going wrong, going wrong. And we have uh, iodine tablets or whatever those tablets are that you're supposed to have in case of nuclear emergency. Really? You have that? We, well, they sent, they gave, they put them in everybody's mailbox. Holy shit. Like in the whole town, there's like, here you go. Here's your goddamn tablets. Good luck. <laughs> Good luck when the power plant explodes. <laughs> power plant's fine. There's nothing wrong with the power plant. I know. I'm just, that's, that's why but they give you That doesn't mean the, I don't have a plan. That's why they give you the tablets because there's nothing right. wrong with the power plant. Yeah. 
All right. I think we should probably uh, that call it a night because we've been talking about this for so long. Anyways, let's yep. not do that. Commercial break. We come back. Tara, she walks back to Alexandria. So on the way, she scavenges what she can from an overturned boat on the Hawaii, on the Hawaii, on the highway. <laughs> <laughs> on the Hawaii. You're still thinking yeah. about Hawaii, right? I'm still mentally in Hawaii. And that was like a month ago. Um, but it's funny, like she washes up on a beach and then finds a boat on the highway. I just thought that was a funny sort of, uh, I don't know, ironic turn of events. Well, you got a boat on a trailer and then yep. uh, so at some point the trailer becomes more important than the boat. So no. you ditch the boat. I get it. I, I, it does make sense, but like to fall off a bridge and wash out into the ocean and then up onto a beach and then you find a boat. It's funny. <laughs> That's right. Right. So. That's not good. She's, she leaves the boat. She's on her way. Uh, she spends the night in a shop of some kind that says sunglasses on the window. And um, she finds a bobblehead doctor, or maybe a doctor bobblehead, which she takes. <laughs> doctor for bobbleheads. It's just the image in my mind. <laughs> I'm sorry, Mr. Bobblehead. You're, uh, you have a disease that's fatal. <laughs> I'm sorry you broke your neck. You may no longer bobble your head. <laughs> That's right. Your spring is broken. <laughs> You're just going to be a doll from now on. Yeah, just going to be a doll. So she grabs the bobblehead and uh, she looks at a shell bracelet sh that she has. And I believe this bracelet was given to her by Cindy. Yes. Okay. So she's thinking about Cindy and she's thinking about her girlfriend, Dr. Denise. Yeah. So we see her approaching Alexandria. She's wearing a sweet Paris shades that she got in this sunglasses store as well. Eugene is up on the wall. He sees her coming and the camera pans up and on the wall, there's a sign that says, welcome to the Alexandria safe zone. Mercy for the lost vengeance for the plunderers. Have we seen this I sign before? I don't believe so. I don't recall plunderers being, uh, you know, called out. No, before. neither do I actually. And, uh, I think it's interesting that they, they focused on it here because I don't remember seeing that sign ever again. So is that sign something that they put up post-Negan or did Negan put that up? I don't know. I mean, maybe it's not important, but... It, maybe we'll find out in the fullness of time. It is a new sign. So Eugene lets her in and he appears to tell her about Dr. Denise with his expression. So the music has kind of built up a little bit. Um... But, and we don't hear their conversation, but obviously Eugene is filling her in on what's happened. So she, at least, you know, the important things like Dr. Denise is dead. And her expression, Tara's expression changes pretty quick from sort of happy to be back to, oh crap, I'm back. <laughs> right. Um, we go, we cut inside. Tara's sitting on the floor, uh, just handling the bobblehead, which she has no one to give to now. And Rosita's there. And she says that she's sorry for, you know, what's happened, but they don't have to just sit there and they can do something about this. And she asks Tara if when she was out, they found anywhere with guns or ammunition, there's got to be something out there. And Tara hesitates for a second, but then says, nope, we didn't find anything like that out there. So she kept her promise to the people of Oceanside to not reveal anything about them. 
I thought the what Rosita was asking was a little too on point. It's for someone that's asking uh, random questions about uh, you know what'd you find anything good did you, did you, did you get any uh, did you get any whiskey did you get uh, oh popcorn did you find popcorn I could really use some popcorn it's like did you find guns you found guns didn't you I bet you found guns yeah are there guns where are the guns you know where the guns are yeah. Guess what? It's exactly what we need right now. And uh, yeah, you did find some, but you're going to lie to us, aren't you? Yeah. <laughs> aren't you? I, uh, I thought that was a terrible ending. Terrible. I mean, saying it's on point is, is a good way of being nice about it, but I thought it was brutal. It was the dumbest ending to an episode I can think of in a long time. It was just so, so obvious, you know, it was, it was Rosita showing up for one scene at the end. Just to ask this obvious, super perfect question, right? That that we know is the right question, but oh, it I hated it. It drove me crazy. I didn't like the end of this episode at all. Wow. Okay, that's pretty uh, <laughs> significant. Yeah, but um, I mean, I don't know. I it's it, it it just bothered me. You know, it's it. I, I it takes you out of the show when they do stuff like that. Like the first thing that Rosita says to her, she's. She's mourning the loss of, of this woman she was in love with. And the first thing Rosita is talking about is, did you find any guns? And we as the audience know that, yeah, she found plenty of guns, but she's not going to say anything. Or is she? I don't know. Um, so it bugged me. I didn't like the ending at all. I thought it was sort of stupid. Um, the other thing about this is, don't you think, Jason, it's freaking obvious that, oh, look, there's a community with all kinds of weapons. Like... Is there any question as to where things are going now? Alexandria is going to team up, team up with Oceanside, use all their weapons, and somehow fight back against the Saviors. Well, I mean, you've read the comics. Is that what happens? I told you, Oceanside's not in the comics very much. Oh. Yeah, it was a little obvious. It's like, oh, they took all our guns. Oh, look, a shed full of guns. Isn't that a coincidence? Yeah, Exactly. And that's what I don't like about it. Like, I would have been more okay with it if Tara had just marched into Alexandria and and said, hey, guess what, everyone? There's a huge shed full of guns at this place called Oceanside, and uh, that's it. Because it, you know, just break her promise straight up. Because she's going to break it eventually anyways, right? We know she's going to find out that Negan's terrorizing her, and Negan killed Abraham, and Negan killed Glenn, and... And now she's going to struggle with, well, I have to do something. I have to say something. And she's obviously going to say something because why go through all this rigmarole if those guns are never going to be seen again or Oceanside's not going to be a part of the show anymore because they want to be Don't secret. Don't forget that uh, Dwight killed Denise. And Dwight killed Denise, right? He's a savior. That's what's going to push Tara over the edge. Yeah. So just part of me wants to say, just get on with it. Don't try to play this bullshit like we think Tara's gonna keep this secret forever because she's not and just be upfront about it again they're trying to manipulate us again Jason and I I don't like it when they do this yeah yeah she's gonna crack when she finds out that Dr. Denise is dead and and Dwight did the deed that uh, she's just gonna freak out it's a lot of a deal iteration there that was pretty good I didn't listen to what she said uh, between the last time I talked and this time thinking of that. (laughs) (laughs) Great. Thanks. (laughs) Just so you know. Dr. Denise is dead and Dwight did the deed. That's correct. It's pretty good. (laughs) I like that. So anyways, I, you know, I, I, in general, I didn't mind this episode. I thought it was okay. I, I like to see Tara again. The internet was not so kind 
to this episode. Um, but you know what I think was not kind? What? How much they made Alana Masterson run after having a baby. She spent a lot of time running in this episode, and I just think it was mean. She did, and there was the scene where um, running through the forest, she really seemed out of breath. Yeah. Like, I don't think that was acting. I think she was really huffing it there. Yeah, and then on the top of that, when she got back to the bridge, she said, uh, I'm going to run. Run's one of my favorite things. It's yeah. like, I thought that was funny and added in afterwards, maybe even ad-libbed, because uh, she really had to run a lot in this episode. It was very run-centric for Elena Masterson. It was, it was. But she pulled it off, I think. She did pull it off. It was, you know, she's a, she's a professional. She did her running. She knew what she was signing up for. She read the script. She's like, holy shit, I got to run that much? I better, <laughs> uh, I better get my shit together. Better start uh, practicing, yeah. Uh, yes. Well, overall, like most of this episode, I didn't mind. Uh, a lot of people said, boy, was it boring? Boy, did nothing happen? Um, but there was just a few big ish problems. One for me was the ending. And then the other thing is a lot of this, a lot of this just seemed like it was telling us the same thing again. Oh, look, Negan is really evil and really terrible. He lined up all the men and executed them. Yes, that's awful. That's terrible. But we've seen him execute people before. We've seen him do terrible, terrible things. They don't have to keep stressing this to us. I think we get the point. Yeah, he. I don't think Negan could get much terribler. No, he is the most terrible he could possibly be. He's the terriblest. Until he, until he kills Judith in cold blood, then he might take it to the next level. I thought he did that one episode when he fired up through the window. I'm like, oh my God, he killed Judith. <laughs> oh my God, that's right. Uh, no, but he hasn't gone there yet. But No, not yet. That's because he doesn't know about Judith yet. Uh, that, may be, that may be true. He's going to throw her like off a cliff into a big pile of rocks. Oh God. Like the Spartans did. I don't even want to pretend to think about that. That's just not nice at all. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah. So, Negan is evil. Uh, bad, or at least we already know that. Tara's back. That's good. I was happy to see her. Uh, Heath was barely in this. I was kind of meh on that, you know, take it or leave it. And the ending I thought was brutal. So overall, I don't think the best episode of The Walking Dead of all time, but definitely sort of not very high on the scale. I thought it was okay. I don't think I'm as harsh on it as uh, you or various elements of the internet. Uh, I, I agree with the problems. I think that that last conversation was a little too on point for my taste. Um, other than that, I was generally, I was generally okay with it. Okay. Well, yeah, it's, I, I don't know. I just, they're manipulating us a little bit too much. I feel like, because there's no way Tara's going to keep this secret. It has I, to I come I have out. a question. Yeah. So if I understand the timeline, right. During the day, sometime during the day, Heath and, uh, Tara show up on this bridge. They go down into the bridge. They pull out this, uh, this sack of treasure that they feel is, uh, extremely important. This is apparently is the linchpin to this big pile of sand that did not settle properly because of this sack. So when she pulled this sack out, the whole pile of sand collapses. Well, I can, I can, let me, let me stop you there for a second. I think probably it didn't settle quite right is because there's a bunch of living corpses beneath it, probably squirming a little bit. And keeping the move. sand loose. If you're buried under uh, even 50 or 60 pounds of dirt, you cannot move. Ah, uh, come on. You can move a little bit. I'll, you try it. Fine. Come over this weekend and bury <laughs> me in my backyard. We'll find out. Done. All done right. and done. <laughs> okay. Uh, so, all right. 
That's neither here nor that's not my question. So this whole thing comes down, bunch of cyan zombies come out, and Heath and Tara get separated. Uh, Tara goes over the edge into a river. Correct. All right. She washes out the sea. Yeah. Overnight, because it's daytime, and then we've determined that the next time we see her, it's the next morning. Is it the next morning, or is it like a couple of days? Has she been floating for a couple of days? She, if she was floating for a couple of days, she'd be dead. True. I think that's probably you know, safe. To if assume. you're unconscious. So, so I assume that she was conscious the whole time that she was in the river and in the ocean, because you fall unconscious, you tend to sink and or drown. Yes. Uh, so she was uh, conscious the whole time until she got to shore and she was so exhausted that she just fell asleep. That's what she said. She got to shore and passed out. All right. Right. Okay. So during that time, middle of the day until the next morning, let's say 10 hours, she got washed out to sea. And didn't make it to either one of the shores in the, uh, in this river. Yep. She got she caught in the current. tread water, but not make any headway towards either of these uh, shores. Is that plausible? Well, I think so. Maybe they were very close to the coast and she just got washed, like she was in the ocean kind of before she knew it. I think that river was very fast moving. Well, no, it didn't look like it, but I don't know. I, that's, that's all I can say. It doesn't seem that plausible. It feels like she'd fall in that river and just be able to swim to shore, you know? Oh, now I'm in a river. I should swim over there because it's close. Yeah. For whatever reason though, she has, she was washed out to sea. Um, maybe that river was especially quick moving, had currents we aren't aware of. I, I don't know. I mean, someone from Georgia might be able to give us some insight onto the rivers, river system down there, but. Um, well, it's not Georgia. Sorry, it's Washington. It's supposed to be Washington, yes. It's supposed to be Washington. It is Georgia. And I remember I used to live in Fort McMurray, which is on the Athabasca River, and that was a very fast-moving river. Mm-hmm. And I think if you fell into the center of that, uh, the center moves faster than the shore, right? Pretty hard to get it's out because of? Because it's, uh, I think it's pretty hard to get out of, but not impossible. Sure. Right? And if you've got 10 hours to swim, you know, there's a good chance that you might be able to snag onto a branch somewhere on the edge of the river. Maybe, I mean, maybe she didn't have that kind of time. Maybe she was in the water for 10 hours, but only in the river for 30 minutes. Like maybe in 30 minutes she was out to sea and then she washed out a bit and then the tide changed and she came back in and I don't know. It does seem kind of unlikely. I'll give you that. All right. Well, I just, I was curious as to what your take is on uh, the physics of falling in a river and being washed out to sea and then being washed ashore. Yeah, no, it, it, it seems like, it seems a little bit crazy. And I think I'll just add that to my list of things about this episode that don't quite work very well. Yeah. Although I didn't yeah. really think of it at the time. The river was not fast moving. No, you like see. It would have taken hours to get down <laughs> to the ocean. All right. Well. Maybe she fell into a dinghy, like one of those rubber dinghy things that you buy at uh, Canadian Tire or Walmart or something. Yep. The inflatable dinghies. Maybe they had a bunch of inflatable dinghies uh, floating around uh, and that's what they did their fishing on. It's like, oh, we're going to sit in the dinghy and fish. Yep. Because people do that and it sounds like fun. And really. they need an escape plan for a bridge and the dinghies right. are there. So maybe she fell over and then over the side of the bridge and then fell onto a dinghy and then fell asleep. It's like, oh, I hope he's still alive. And she's out. <laughs> <laughs> And then she woke up the next day and the zing dinghy had sprung a leak and sank. Okay. Well. <laughs> it was nowhere to be seen. Uh, yeah. I mean, sounds just as plausible. <laughs> Why not? Okay, I'm going to go with that. That's more fun. Yeah. I, and I think, I think of the dinghy as blue and yellow. 
great. Blue and yellow dinghy. She falls asleep, goes out to sea, and then falls in the ocean. That's right. Okay, very good. Jason, it's time to take a short break, uh, after which we will read some holy crap moments. Cool. So stay with us. Sweet Annabelle is seen reclining on an ocean swell as the waves do lather up to lay her down till she's fast and sleeping. Oh, well, I guess I'm something of a It is time to thank uh, some of the some of you listeners who went to our Patreon page to support us. And just one new one this week. A big shout out. Thank you goes to Victoria A in Panama City, Panama for pledging at the three dollar level. Uh, if you want to support us on Patreon, you can do that by visiting patreon.com slash the talking dead. However, this week. Uh, What I want to do is talk a little bit more about using our Amazon link because, you know, we're at the end of November here. We're getting into the holiday season. And I know all you out there are going to be doing some holiday shopping, or many of you anyways. So if you do your shopping at Amazon, a really, really great way to help out the show is to click on our Amazon link before you purchase stuff. And you can do that by visiting TalkingDeadPodcast.com slash Amazon and then click on the country of your choice. Of course, the United States is there, Canada, the UK, uh, Germany, Spain, and France, I think, are are all of them. So if you're going to shop at Amazon, visit TalkingDeadPodcast.com slash Amazon and click on the country of your choice before you visit Amazon to do your shopping. You won't notice the difference. Nothing costs more. Uh, You can buy whatever you want, and a tiny little cut comes to us, and we have no idea what you're purchasing. So your privacy is guaranteed, and it really, really helps out the podcast. So TalkingDeadPodcast.com slash Amazon before you do all of your holiday shopping. Holy crap. Did you see that? All right, back to the show, Jason. It's time to read some holy crap moments. Are you ready? I am super awesome ready. All right. So the first one is longtime listener Gemma in South Wales. She writes, my holy crap moment was poor Eugene's tears as Tara arrives home in sunglasses. His face told her all she needed to know. Which I kind of agree with. I felt bad for Eugene, but his face should not have told her a damn thing in my opinion i would have actually liked to have heard a little bit more of that conversation in my in my mind episode was over my friend we didn't have time for actual words we just had uh you know we knew what was going on so we assumed that 
I assume that uh, that Eugene was crying because Eugene's a big crier. He's a good crier. It's good to get a good cry out every now and again. Yeah. And he's upset that, uh, you know, all kinds of people died instead of, including Dr. Denise. And so uh, Tara probably figured out that, you know, something awful has happened, but uh, I assume to think, I assume that they had an actual conversation using words after that moment of, shit, I got some bad news for you. Oh crap, you got bad news for me. Yeah, that's that's what it was. I mean, we see we see Tara walking up looking all happy, and before she even sort of gets face to face with Eugene, her expression changes. So she can see what's on his face and she just knows something is no good. Um speaking of the episode being over though, I forgot to mention this episode was an extra slightly extra length. Uh, I don't know if you realize that watching it on iTunes, but the running time was actually 49.45, 49 minutes, 45 oh, seconds. That's a whole five minutes. It is. And it was scheduled in a time slot from 9 p.m. to 10.11 p.m. So 11 minutes over for five minutes of extra show, uh, which, you know, means we got six minutes of extra commercials, I guess. We sure did. Yeah. Uh, I, I also don't think this was an episode that really needed to be extra time. So that's two. <laughs> we needed extra commercials though. That's me. Oh, I don't know if we did, but somebody did. <laughs> and that's two, that's two extended episodes this season now that I thought could have been done in the normal 43 minute or so time slot. So maybe they're trying to, uh, undermine the 44 minute episode length uh, and you know, they're just kind of pushing the envelope saying, you know what? I really think that the uh, episode should be an hour and 11 minutes long. Well, and that's what they're pushing for. Cause you know, fitting in a whole episode of something into a, an hour where people can schedule their day in some kind of reasonable way is just stupid in their mind. Yeah. Why make it, why make life easy on people? Let's make it an hour and 11 minutes, the time slot. Yeah. So Yes, I don't think it needed the extra five minutes of footage in this, this this episode. It feels just like, oh, guys, we've got it. It's done. I don't know what to cut out. Let's just go with it like this. Uh, so anyways, back to the holy craps. Stu in the USA writes, holy crap, did you see that? It was an hour of my life I won't get back. For Scott Gimple and the others to keep saying this season is going to be something special, it sure has. So far, it's been a turd. One big turd. So, uh, Stu, not so happy with this one. Mike in London, UK, has similar sentiment. He says, holy crap, did you see the most boring, tedious, and appalling episode of The Walking Dead? Honestly, who cares about Tara and Heath? They are minor characters who should get a few minutes of screen time now and then, but that's it. Not a whole goddamn episode. And not only that, an extended episode, too. I kept watching in the vague hope that another storyline would be introduced at some point. Nope. I would have had more fun watching an hour of Ricky Gervais staring silently into the camera than this interminable garbage. And I really hate Ricky Gervais. Oh, geez, that's a, that's harsh. It's harsh. It's very harsh because uh, Ricky Gervais, I do not find all that funny. Don't no, hate the guy. I but really don't dislike Rick, Ricky Gervais. I can't think of anything I would want to do less than watch an hour of Ricky Gervais. And I'm seriously considering some, you know, sitting in a dentist chair, getting uh, my wisdom teeth out. Without 
anesthetic. Kind of stuff. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, I had anesthetic, but it was pretty uncomfortable. Sure. But I'd rather do that than watch Ricky Gervais. Well, here's the thing. A lot of people have been pretty harsh, pretty down on this episode. I think when we do a feedback show later this week, we will have more positive things to say about it. I've already received some feedback from people, which isn't appropriate for this podcast, but we will likely get to in a few days. So... I think there'll be a little bit more love for it then. But for now, people are really feeling kind of not so hot on this one. Yeah. It'd be a tough call, but I it'd be a kind of a toss-up between watching an hour of Ricky Gervais and watching <laughs> The Bachelorette, The Men Tell All. Now, I don't know if you ever watched The Bachelor or The Bachelorette. Never at the end of it, turned it on. Uh, so the, those are bad enough because they're two hours twice a week. Oh, my God. My wife watches it. My mom watches it. They bond over it. It's great. I can't sit in the room because if I'm in the room, I'm yelling at the TV. And I just, nobody wants that. So I'm not, I'm not allowed in the room when Jenny was watching that show. I feel like it would affect your relationship with your wife and your mom. So it's probably best to just separate I, yourself I, from I the situation. Can't be in the room. I yeah. just can't be in the room. At the end of the whole season, after all the men are... You know, voted off, not voted off because there's only one bachelorette, are, you know, Killed ejected off? from the show. Or what? <laughs> Killed off? Killed off. Uh, they're they're not given a rose and they go home and they get angry or whatever they do when they don't get to be on television. Uh, at the end of it, they bring all the men back and they and the, the host asks them to uh, air their grievances. And talk about their gripes and their thoughts and feelings about being uh, yes. an asshole stuck on this show. <laughs> the airing and, of the uh, grievances. <laughs> so this is the the men tell all, or at the end of The Bachelor, they have the women tell all thing. Oh, it it's like It's so like terrible. a condensed, uh, I don't even know, I can't even describe how awful and, uh, and icky it makes me feel. Just repeatedly and, being punched in the face by a wet salami. I, you know, that sounds much better. Oh, that wow. It sounds so much better. I think I would be repeatedly punched in the face with a... Anyway, I would rather watch the men tell all than an hour of Ricky Gervais. Wow. That's pretty and, but harsh. It, it's, it's a close one. It's a squeaker. I'll grant you that, but... Repeatedly being punched in the face by Ricky Gervais. There you go. Uh, as long as he's not talking or doing comedy, fine. <laughs> in fact, that might be the funniest thing he has ever done. I might... Oh, this would be tough. If I got a lot of money for it, I'd get repeatedly punched in the face by Mike Tyson. But I'd need some cash to recover and for pain and suffering afterwards because that guy's like a fucking freight train. Well, he's, he's a boxer and he could kill you if he punched you in the face that many times. Well, I'm hoping that he would take it easy, easy on me, but I'd do it for $10 million. I'd stand in front of Mike Tyson and take a punch for $10 million. One punch, $10 million? Yeah. I would need a lifetime of surgery afterwards, but, and hopefully he would have mercy on me because yes, he could probably kill me. If anybody, uh, hey, if Mike Tyson's agent is listening, let's set this up. <laughs> uh, what, Don King? Well, I don't- He's not listening. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just saying. I'm just saying. If anyone out there has a line to Mike Tyson- this could be this could be your five minutes or your fifteen minutes of fame, Jason. All right, that so yeah. Sorry, that really went off the rails. <laughs> <laughs> Next up, Sean on the internet. Holy crap! Brown blood from the waterlogged zombie. Nice. I'm kind of getting tired of seeing desiccated old walkers with bright flesh red blood. Yeah, bright fresh red blood. It's a little detail, but I appreciate it. 
So yeah, no red blood for zombies. They're all rotted and gross. It needs to be brown or black or gray or something. Gross. Yes. Sally on the internet writes, holy crap, I enjoyed a bottle episode. Good writing, new setting, Tara's fun personality, and more world building. Motivations made sense, and I love that they're taking a group that had no development in the comic and introducing them early. So there's somebody who enjoyed it. Good. Good. I'm happy. Thank you, Sally. Noop J on the internet. My holy crap had to be the dreadlock fakeout walker. Haven't we seen this plot device a few times now? So think back, Jason. Have we have they they've definitely done the that walker kind of looks like somebody we know fake out. But I'm having trouble remembering specifically when and where. I'm with you. I don't recall. This is, yeah, this seems like a standard trope type deal, but uh, I can't recall specifics. I know they've done it, but... Uh, all right, we'll have to go back and watch all of the episodes again. <laughs> Got to start over. <laughs> start over. By this time next week, we'll have run through the past six and a half seasons again. Yeah, and you'll have watched Fight Club three times. I haven't forgotten. Wow. Your punishment. All right. That's a lot of TV in the next seven days. Uh, better quit your job yeah why not who needs that job anyways steve on the internet internet writes holy crap the saviors are some evil motherfuckers every male over 10 also can i just say that dusty sand zombies looked awesome seriously creeped me the fuck out sand zombies i thought they looked pretty cool like I all, thought they were cool, all especially white. when they had all that sand coming out of it. Do you think that was a real person that had a huge mouthful of sand? Yeah, I think so. That's, you know, hopefully he had some kind of um, mouth condom in there so he didn't actually swallow a whole bunch of sand because that would be really, really dangerous. Dangerous, not good for sure, but I, I'm pretty sure that was a real person just pouring sand out of their mouth. It looked real to me. Well, yeah, hopefully he had a sand condom in his mouth. <laughs> yeah, that, is that a thing? I don't know. They have mouth guards, and I assume they have uh, large latex rubber sheets that you could probably fashion into something that can you can fill your mouth full of some kind of unedible substance and uh, not worry about getting it into your uh, saliva glands or stuck yeah. in your teeth. And can you imagine how much sand you'd be getting out of your mouth for like weeks afterwards? I, I sure hope he was wearing some kind of prosthetic in there. Yeah, I hope so too. Uh, it's never fun getting a mouthful of sand. So, yeah, it's happened. Not to mention dangerous. Like if you just, you know, somebody scared you, you would take an, you know, you'd be inhaling sand, and that can't be good. No, it's it's uh, it's like chewing glass. Not a good idea. It is glass. Well, that's what I mean. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, quickly, Michael in London. Holy crap! I'll never look at a sand pit the same way again. Yeah, exactly. You never know what might be hiding under there. Yeah. Tim in California. Holy crap, did you see that whole episode full of non-holy crap moments? About halfway into it, I thought it was a really boring episode. But then I remembered that every season has a few episodes that are character and plot driven. After I realized that, I enjoyed the episode a lot better. The walker scene on the bridge at the end of the episode made it all worth it. So he's talking about the walkers at the end of the episode when Tara had to fight her way through. Uh, not the sand ones. Same walkers, just different different time. Right. Um, and I agree. I think that was actually a pretty pretty fun scene. Um, if a little unrealistic to have Tara just sort of run run through like that with someone shooting a uh, assault rifle behind her and, you know, picking off zombies. But it made for some good entertainment. Good work, Christopher. 
Thanks, man. I learned. <laughs> Until next time, one comes up and I call it a machine gun again. Yeah. Uh, Georgia in Melbourne, Australia writes, holy crap, did you hear Tara and he tell Heath the same thing that Glenn originally told her about scavenging? Quote, rule number one of scavenging, there's nothing left in this world that isn't hidden. I don't remember. going to be lying on the ground. I don't remember Glenn saying that, but uh, this show loves to do callbacks, so I'm not surprised that this is one of them. Yeah. So good stuff. Uh, Lauren in Massachusetts. Holy crap, did you guys see Tara in this episode? My friend said they saw her, but I must have missed it. <laughs> so, <laughs> I, I, I don't know exactly what this means, but uh, yes, Tara looks a little bit different than when she first joined the show. Alana Masterson had a baby. I think she still carries a little bit of extra baby weight. And I don't know if that's what Lauren is getting at specifically, but it's kind of obvious, but I think we can cut her a break. She had a baby. Well, if... Yeah, yeah, if she's in the show for any length of time, uh, she'll run it off. At this rate, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Now, speaking of running, we're going to end here with a call from our friend Angie in Birmingham. Just bringing it to say, first off, I enjoyed this episode a lot more than I thought I would. Um, still only needed about 15 minutes dedicated to it, though, not 45, but still, uh, better than I was expecting. Um, but I just wanted to say, Holy crap. As much as I enjoy seeing Alana Masterson on screen, um, she needs to invest in a sports bra or tired is. I mean, all I could see whenever she had to break out of a walk was those puppies flying around all over the screen. I mean, they could have killed a couple of walkers all on their own. I mean, come on, girl. I'm big up top, but look, I use scaffolding to keep mine in place when I go for a jog. I know it's a zombie apocalypse, but there's got to be something like duct tape. I don't know. Anyway, that's all I could see. Whole 45 minutes, those whopping great boobs flying around all over the screen. God bless her. Anyway, speak to you soon. Bye. All right. Thanks, Angie. I hope everyone could hear that. She was obviously out on a walk while she, while she recorded that uh, with some cars driving by. Now, I played that. I, I, I got to say... Angie is not the only listener to write in on this topic or call in. Um, but every other person that did was a dude. And right. I just felt a little weird about, about reading those emails or playing those calls. Angie, not a dude. I feel like it's okay for her to make those kind of comments. Is that me? Is that me being weird? Well, I don't know. Um, <clears throat> I guess it all depends on sexual orientation. I didn't even consider that, but uh, <laughs> I just, I just, you know, it's, I, I think a lot of people were thinking this. Some people wanted to talk about it. Uh, Angie spoke from personal experience. <laughs> and boobs is a funny word. And it's funny. The more we can get boobs on the podcast, the better. No, nah, I'm not even sure about that. So, uh, no, I mean, yeah. Okay. <laughs> no. Yes. <laughs> the, the sentiment is good, but yeah, really. So, uh, anyways. it's not a podcast about boobs. Oh no, there's an idea. <laughs> <laughs> Let's move on before I say something else stupid. Uh, well, we could be that do that podcast because it would be called the Talking Boobs, which fits right in, frankly. Yeah, wait a minute, isn't that what we're already doing? <laughs> That's what we're doing right now. <laughs> a couple of boobs on the internet talking about a TV yeah. show. <laughs> All right, um, thank you, Angie, for that call, and thank you to everyone who sent in your holy crap moments. Uh, that's going to do it 
for this. We're going to end on that note right there. Um, and that's going to do it for this podcast. So we'll be back later in the week with the feedback episode. And uh, in the meantime, if you want to get in touch with us, send your email to talkingdeadpodcast at gmail.com. That's also where you can submit uh, entries and record your favorite scene contest or title reads. Make sure you do those too if you want to. Um, it's fun to get both. And with the contest, you might win a big prize pack. Next week on the show, I'm going to add something else to the prize. So make sure you tune in to find out what that is. And um, where else? You can also find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash the talking dead or on Twitter at talking dead. And if you want to send us a voicemail, you can go to our website, talkingdeadpodcast.com and click on send voicemail and record it right into the phone. I got a message from somebody earlier today that I would have liked to include it on here, but he, um, he overpowered his microphone too much and it was really distorted. So please just watch out for that. I don't mean to make this too difficult for everyone. I feel like I am, but, uh, um, if it's really distorted, it's not going to sound good. So, um, do what you can. Anyways, thank you so much. Uh, and use our Amazon link when you do all your shopping at Amazon, talkingdeadpodcast.com slash Amazon, and then click on the country of your choice. All right. We'll see you in a few days for the feedback show. Until then, my name is Chris. My name is Jason. Thanks for listening. Bye. Okay, let's read some holy crap moments, Jason, shall we? I would like that, Christopher. Wait, I have to take a short break. Forgot to plug in the computer. It's important. Eight-way arcade joystick. This snappy eight-way joystick beckons you to play with it. It's rugged and not too large. Talking about my penis? No, well, not really. <laughs> not intentionally. <laughs> it's rugged and not too large. <laughs> and it beckons you to play with it. And it beckons, it's a joystick. Exactly. <laughs>